What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have an extra, extra special guest, somebody I really love. He's a really cool dude, and he's been in the game making music and DJing for a long time. His name is Flostradamus, a.k.a. Kurt. If you've ever listened to trap music or any kind of hip-hop electronic music, you've probably heard of Flostradamus. He is a well-established American DJ and producer, currently based in Los Angeles. Kurt has collaborated with major artists, including Major Lazer, Matt and Kim, A-Track, Bauer, and many others. In the past few years, he's collaborated with many hip-hop legends, including GTA, Lil Jon, Waka Flocka Flame, Post Malone. The list goes on and on. In addition to being a producer and DJ, Kurt has been a recent influencer in the crypto and NFT space developing his own smokable vape tied to an NFT using blockchain technology. He also presented at the 2022 NFT LA conference and started a company called Liberated, LBRATD, building blockchain technology, helping other artists connect with fans using NFTs. I think this is probably one of my favorite episodes. We get to chat about a lot of different random things, including what it's like having surround sound speakers in Flostradamus's couch, he shares a lot of his music background. He talks about a lot of different interesting music production hacks using Ableton Live, including some new live feature recommendations. He also shares some of his favorite plugins and software and really fun stories in the studio. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to give a huge thanks to all of you out there supporting the podcast. So because I've just received so much love and support from this podcast from all of you listeners, I wanted to give back. So I partnered with several other really great companies I love to give away up to $6,000 in free software and gear from the company's Output, Loop Community, Belize, and Sonarworks. There are going to be five different winners, so your chances of winning are pretty awesome. And you can learn more details and enter to win by going to liveproducersonline.com win. That's liveproducersonline.com win. Go check out the details there. You, there's a bunch of different ways you can enter. Also, make sure you guys check back on Tuesdays for new episodes. And without wasting any more time, let's jump into this episode with Kurt, a.k.a. Flostradamus. What up? It's beautiful. What are you drinking? Uh, currently drinking a Topo Chico. Topo Chico? What is that? Oh, it's like the best soda water ever. I'm sure that anyone ever. listening will agree. Oh, yes. Out of all the soda waters, I've had them all. This is the best one. That's a big statement, dude, because I'm a soda water connoisseur of sorts. So you, You've never had Topo Chico? I have not. Is that like a West Coast thing? Uh, it, well, well, they're from Mexico. They're from like Monterey, Mexico. Okay. But okay. Uh, okay. definitely you got to get on it, man. It's like the right. best, the best. This is why I do this podcast, to learn stuff like this. Yes, that's all. This is the only plugin you need is Topo Chico. Topo Chico. It'll make yes. all your music better, really. It, it definitely does. Have you ever heard of Liquid Death? Speaking of water. Yeah, they're super dope. Uh, I really like them. I think the branding is amazing behind that whole thing. It's a funny brand for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, it's all about like murdering your thirst and... There's this like post-COVID health revival for a lot of people, even like touring musicians and stuff. They're like, yeah. yeah, no, bro, I don't drink anymore. I do whatever now. And like, but I think that liquid death is perfect for those type of people. It looks like you're holding a can of beer, like you're ready to party, but you're just like chilling and being healthy. So it's great branding. This is, this is definitely true. Like I know for me personally, I've been exercising more and try to get on the health kick like post-COVID and everything. I love it, man. You did a lot of dope streams uh, during COVID as well. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I saw uh, what was it called? I actually watched some of it the other day, and I saw it live too. The Park and Rave live stream, like yeah. in twenty twenty, that was a dope yep. show. 
That was the last, that was like the, I think they did one other park and rave after that, but they were doing them all through the pandemic. And I was like the second to last before we came back to, you know, what we're doing now again, back to real life. So yeah, yeah, it was cool, man. It was, we did a two day festival around 420 and it was like, it was my first of those ever park and rave experiences. And it was cool. Kids were like bringing inflatable couches and grills and we're just like hanging out. It was like a totally different experience than like a normal music festival. Yeah, definitely. Like the whole idea and concept of doing drive-in shows was really fascinating. Uh, like Mark Ribier, I think was the very first person to do it. Oh yeah, dude. And he's hilarious. Like, dude, he's so good, so talented, so talented. Yeah, that's what makes it so great. Is like he's funny, but also he's a great musician and just like yep. brings it into the comedy. Uh, yeah. have, have you seen his new TV show with Amazon on their Twitch channel? I just see the clips that he's posted online, but I, I really want to check it out. Dude, My- it's hilarious. He had Tenacious D on last night, and uh-huh. they played Twister. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous, but it's it's fun. That's what a show should be. It doesn't have to be serious. Yeah. Right. It's cool. Exactly. Exactly, man. So, okay, remind me, where do you live? Because I know you grew up in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I grew up, I, I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, so I was born just outside oh. of Chicago. Okay. Kalamazoo is actually halfway between Detroit and Chicago, like the exact middle point. Mm-hmm. So I grew up there, kind of had a little bit of techno influence from Detroit, house from Chicago. And then I moved to Chicago in 2000 to 2010. So I was there for a while. I currently live in Los Angeles, but I lived in New York for eight years in between that. So I've been all over the States, all the big cities. I grew up in Ohio and I'm in Indianapolis now, moving to Denver. And and so, yeah, I've been to Chicago for so many shows. It's a fun scene out there, man. I love Chicago. It's a yeah, special man. place in my heart. And Kalamazoo. Yeah. Uh, Kalamazoo, what is that? Bell's Two-Hearted? It's my yeah, number man. one beer, dude. That's uh, that's from Kalamazoo, right? It is, man. Oh, it's so good. All, all of the Bell's beers, too. They have like a bunch of other ones. An eccentric ale and... Mm. Uh, it's the other one I always drink. Dogfish. Yeah, dog, or, yeah. They, well, there's so many. And the cool thing is at the brewery, they're always changing different local ones too. Yeah. Actually, it's probably one of the biggest microbrews in the entire United States. And they didn't sell out to any big company. And they just recently sold to like another giant microbrew thing. So now they're oh. finally, they're finally not all in-house like they were, but they're so okay. good. Yeah. 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 I appreciate a good crisp beer on a summer day. <laughs> yes. I also saw, speaking of like your chandelier and house and like favorite things, were you sponsored by Lovesack? I saw your couch video on Instagram and I was like jealous and now I'm inspired to buy a couch when I move. Yo, I mean. Probably a Lovesack. The the funny thing is that they did kind of sponsor. They hooked me up. They wanted to have like some musicians like kind of check out this couch that they did. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's a couch with speakers inside of it. It's wild. There's like a subwoofer. It's like all Harman, it's like Harman Kardon 5.1 surround sound. It's cool. Like when you play Fortnite and stuff, like you can hear steps walking behind you. And like when someone shoots you, there's bass. That's amazing. But it's funny because I'm kind of promoting it now, but they like, they just hooked me up for, like just to get musicians to see what it was all about. But yeah. I, I highly recommend it. It's cool. And it's like all modular too. So if you end up moving into a spot that's really small, you can like Lego it together however you want. Especially if you're moving into like a smaller space or spaces issue, like love sack. They say that it's guaranteed for life. Like a lot of couches you toss after what, like five to 10 years oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently these last forever. I didn't know that. That's cool. That Yeah. Like Ikea couches are made out of balsa wood and they'll break after a year or whatever. But these ones, yeah, yeah I didn't know that I have the guarantee. That's awesome. Yeah. Like Ikea, anything you purchase furniture wise is like deciphering a bomb. 
because it yes. comes in like six thousand pieces <laughs> and like it's... you have to put it perfectly together with like shit instructions yeah it's yeah. like bo- borderline cardboard it's almost that have you like leaving an ikea is like half the challenge really because like yes. when you walk in it's a maze and you have to like spend four hours finding your way out Yes. And if you go in with a significant other, there's probably chances are that you will end in a breakup by the time you like hit the checkout <laughs> aisle. It's crazy. <laughs> it will always happen. I almost had that experience. That's actually yeah, pretty funny. It's 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 part of the maze. If you can make it out like still as a couple, you win. Like it's yeah. it's, so it's like free counseling, basically. You just like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's That's like, awesome. Like how couples have the trouble of like deciding what to eat. Like you have to do that throughout this whole maze that gets so confusing over and over and over again. And it just gets to the point where you're just like, oh, it puts, worth a, it, it. <laughs> it puts a relationship to the test. Ikea is like the test to know. Like people say going on a road trip is that, but I think Ikea is like the oh, ultimate sure. test of a relationship. It's, yeah. It's guaranteed stress <laughs> as a road trip could be an easy if there's no trip, yeah, you know? Yeah, true. So, yeah. So, um, Share a little bit about maybe your background with music for people who don't know you super well. Yeah. Just maybe yeah. talk about how did you get into that and then eventually into Ableton. Obviously, it's the Ableton podcast. No, no, I'd love to talk about Ableton in it too. So, I mean, I barely talk about my beginning days, so it's kind of cool. We'll talk about that. So, like I said a minute ago, I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, right in between Detroit and Chicago. And in the 90s, I'm 40 now, so I'm, I'm a little older. Uh, and I was good, part man. of the. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. I was part of the first rave scene that was like out in the 90s. So I was like 16 through 18 during that time. And so in the Midwest, we would there was huge parties in Chicago, huge parties in Detroit. But in Kalamazoo, we had kind of like this mix of both. So there was techno, drum and bass, house, stuff like that. I started out as a turntable, first and foremost. I like got two crappy Technics turntables from just from like a, a not a, what is it, a pawn shop. It had that, but the cool thing is that this mixer I got was this old Gemini mixer that had like a 15 second sampler on it. So mm. I was, I used to like kind of like beat juggle and try to scratch, you know, I was like a young kid just trying to figure out the scratching side of things. But I used to sample just random loops from these old vinyl records. My dad has a thrift store and he like, I kind of grew up in like that storage war situation. He would buy storage units, clean them out, then resell it in his thrift store. So I would always get cool vinyl and also like cool VCRs and weird tech that I used to just like hack together, like make my own video mixtapes, but then also do the same thing with audio. I would like take these records and sample them in the sampler. That's cool. I ended up translating that to a computer. I ended up, my parents got some like Pentium 2 computer and I, and I got a sound card for it and I started recording into that. And what I first started using was Cool Edit Pro, uh, which I think is called... Adobe owns it now and it's called like Adobe Audition, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but back in the day, it was Cool Edit Pro and you could like kind of sample and chop and loop in that. And so I started making beats in that. Then that took me into uh, Acid Music and I was using Sony Acid for a while yeah, on the back. PC. Yeah. And the cool, and, the, and, I, and I was producing a bunch of, uh, back in the 90s, it was like called Jungle, but it's drum and bass. I would take like Little John acapellas and like, Timbaland and, and three, six mafia and stuff. I was taking those loops and putting like drum and bass beats over the top of them. And that was kind of my first exploration into music. And the thing I liked about cool edit pro is you could like pitch the samples. You could transpose them really easily. They, t- everything stayed in time for me. It was really cool. I could sample in a DAW in a way that felt like I was sampling on my sampler, pitch it up, do all those things. It was like my main DAW for a while. And then eventually one of my friends, it was like Ableton four, I think. Yeah. 
maybe it was, no, it was four, hundred percent four. He was like, I'm doing this thing with my live show, and he was like showing me how he did it, and then he showed me the transpose knob in Ableton, and I was like, wait, you can just like push up and down and transpose and like and, and pitch your samples, and yeah. I was like, whoa, this is like what I was used to in Cool Edit Pro, and that was kind of my first. I don't know, toes dipping into Ableton. And I really liked it. It didn't, it still felt a little foreign. Like when, I don't know if you've ever switched to DAW or if anyone listened yeah. to switch, switch DAWs, it, you kind of, your hands are kind of crossed at first. You're like, it, it feels mm-hmm. familiar. There's certain things I like, but it was a little off. Yeah. And I started using that for a little bit. And then I started using Reason. I switched over to Reason for a little bit and I bought an MPC and I was using MPCs for a bit, like just a straight up MPC 2000 at first. Then I upgraded to 2000 XL midied into reason and that was like my main setup for a while and then i sold all that because i got broke i kind of got out of dance music for a little bit too i was just like wasn't making anything took a few years off yeah and then how long ago was that like i'm just curious timeline i was doing the music stuff from probably like 96 through 2001 okay so that was kind of me just like dabbling around and I always played around with it. I, I went to school for design and coding. Like I'm a, a big tech nerd and we, we can touch that later. But oh, like, we will. I, I definitely was like, I was going to school for the tech stuff. Music was always side. It was just a fun thing to do. But I was going to school. I was getting broke. So I had to sell almost all my music equipment. And then for some reason, I just stepped away from dance music. Like there was some weird shady promoters that happened. The rave scene was getting weird in like the, the early 2000s and I was living in Chicago at that time. It just got weird. I was like, I, I need to step away from this. And I got away from the whole dance scene. But the reason why I'm not going through this timeline is when I got back into it again, my friends were like, oh, you know how to DJ. And I had a bunch of friends that were just throwing these like fun little house parties and warehouse parties and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're, you're a friend that knows how to DJ, DJ. And so I started DJing again with vinyl. And then I, back in the day, there was a, a Serato predecessor called Final Scratch. And it was a way you could like DJ MP3s on your computer, DJ MP3s with, uh, with vinyl from your computer, just like Serato is now. Final Scratch. I'm not even, I've Final, never heard of yeah. that really. So Final Scratch, I'm, I'm such an old head. This is such an No, old it's head. cool, man. This is a good history lesson. So Final Scratch was the predecessor to Tractor. So they, Final Scratch was like some DIY company. They made it. It was this giant puck. It was a round thing you plugged RCAs into and you could control MP3s of vinyl. And so I was using that, and then, then I ended up, instead of going to Tractor, I ended up going to Serato after that. But the cool thing with Final Scratch was I, I could play songs from my computer for the first time ever. All the music that I made that I could never really play out before unless I pressed it on, like, vinyl, I could actually start playing from my computer in 2003, 2002. And I loved it. It was, like, so next level for me. So then I was like, well, I'm going to start making my own DJ edits and mashups and and my, I don't know, I started producing again, and that's when I came back to Ableton. And for me, Ableton was just like the perfect tool that I could take all of these acapellas and, and other people's songs and, and like make these edits, these mashups and things like that. And so yeah. I was Ableton from then on for when it comes to doing the mashup side of things. Yeah. I'll finish up a little bit here. I, I went over to Logic for a while, and we started actually making a lot of like what you know for the EDM trap stuff in Logic. Really? I really, I really loved mixing and Logic. Like the, the way you can mix, it just sounded bigger to me. I agree. I actually yeah. am Logic Pro certified because I did a lot of mixing in Logic for that. Oh, reason. cool, cool, yeah. cool. 
I don't know why there's got to be just some psychological thing, but like, even to me, it just felt like it was louder, better. I could do more with it. I don't know. But like I was logic nine. And then, and then when logic 10 came out, that's when I came back to Ableton. And I think I came back at eight mm. again, intro to Ableton was four. And then I hopped back in at six for a little bit, six and seven, and then stepped away logic and then came back in at eight. And so that's my Ableton journey. And that's kind of my music journey. Yeah. yeah. That's a good story. Now that I'm thinking about like all the things you said with your history of like sampling, I think that really translate into a lot of the music that I hear you make uh, because you've done a lot with like vocal chops, vocal samples, just like taking sounds and mashing them up and doing a lot of weird edits with samples and vocals, especially. Yes. Yeah. sounds like a, like a long history, the evolution of Flostradamus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of software that you've learned over the years, for sure. Definitely a huge nerd, and we'll, we'll go down the, that road, I'm sure, throughout this podcast. I'm a big, big nerd. I love new technology. Like, I'm super embracing technology. I'm beta testing and helping with a lot of projects. Products is Ableton is one of them. I'm on the beta team. And yeah. some of the stuff I've even suggested in the past is, is now implemented in some of the new Ableton. I don't know if it's my doing, but some of these things I've suggested before even in the forums or to the people when I have one-on-one. Yeah. So like, I love that. I'm a huge, huge nerd with all this. Me too. Do you remember any like specific features that you wanted that you recommended that ended up happening later? Yes. Uh, what was the, well, one thing I, I do want is I want you guys to make a dynamic EQ. Like I, I made like a, a yes. little like thing where it'd be cool to have just the EQ8 with dynamic EQ in it. Yep. And then there was something that I did suggest in the Ableton forum and then it got bumped up and then it is an, it is an 11. So I don't know. I don't know if it's my doing or I don't know. Someone voted or stole the idea, but it's in there. <laughs> do you use a dynamic EQ right now? Do you have a favorite plugin for that? Because I think yeah. that's really important, really, for preserving yeah. frequencies, but also being able to control specific ones. Uh, so now that you said, what was the thing that I implemented? So uh, real quick, I will, I'll go back to that. So yeah. I, I suggested, I don't know if you remember in 10, it might have been in 10 or 9, I don't know. But you couldn't sidechain from the actual instrument. You'd have to actually route through and sidechain. Yeah. There wasn't an option to sidechain on the actual plugin. Yeah. And so I was like, why can't we do this? Like it's on the compressor. Why can't we add it to other devices? And like I, I everything I do and I suggested for Ableton, I've like photoshopped a version of that together. And like I photoshopped okay. a version of what the sidechain would be and also sidechaining third party plugins through that, through the internally in the in Ableton. I was like, yeah. it'd be cool if you guys could just do a drop down menu and pick what you want to sidechain. That was and a game was changer. Definitely an implemented thing later on. I don't know if it was yeah. my doing or them, but it definitely was like a thing that really helps because you used to have to make a new track and it just was like a little bit of a backwards way of doing what you what we needed, just like with one click. Well, honestly, pretend it was only because of you. And yes, yeah, exactly. So thank you yes, for yeah. that. Spam, <laughs> spam the comments that I thought of it. Uh, the and, and then to that, to what you were saying too with the dynamic EQ, that would be cool if EQ8 is just regular EQ8. You can do all the cuts, whatever you want, but you can like right click on it and make band dynamic. Yep. And then you can pull down. And then also on the left hand side, there could be that little sidechain feature as well. What is going to come in? What is going to affect that band that you're doing the sidechain with would be great. So, well, yeah. I don't know if I'm at liberty to say this, but there may or may not be a dynamic EQ that's already being worked on or thought about by the Ableton team. I've, Let's go. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I've heard rumors, okay. so I don't know when or if, but I know it's been in the thought process and the, and it, the team has looked into Ooh, it. So a little, a little Ableton alpha here while we're on the chat. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm not saying anything. The, 
If you Google my username Flusterdamus in the beta forums, if anyone is listening who's on the beta forums, you'll see my little Photoshop version of what I want. I have envisioned the dynamic EQ looking like. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody would love to to have that. Yeah, it's just a one simple little feature, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do know that with uh, the new beta, they're redoing the original OG Ableton Reverb. Oh, so I just saw that in a like a post. I saw it on Instagram or something too. It's like they they redid the the reverb and it actually has a good. I didn't hear it, but it has a really good aesthetic to it. I love the way it looks. Yes, like it, it, yeah. it doesn't it isn't just knobs and like a couple cuts. It like actually mm -hmm. has a good vibe to it. But I'm sure sound wise, it's even better too. And the hybrid reverb sounds fantastic in yeah. eleven. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Yes. Me too. It's so dope. Yeah. Me too. Hey everybody, real quick, just wanted to let you know this episode is sponsored by Lander. Whether you're a beat maker, a seasoned veteran, or dreamer who is ready to take the first leap, Lander's suite of tools will guide you through every stage of the journey. I've enjoyed using Lander's products and services, especially their mastering services. Their AI mastering is actually even better now than I think it was years ago, so definitely give it a try if you're interested. Lander Studio also provides access to the entire Lander platform, which includes plugins like Vocal Align Project 5 and Lander FX Suite, monthly mastering and sample credits, unlimited distribution, unlimited file storage for your projects, and remote collaboration tools. If you're interested, Lander Studio only starts at $12.50 a month. If you choose their annual plan for 12 months, you can save 15% on their studio or mastering services with the coupon code GETLANDERLIVE15 OFF. So that's GETLANDERLIVE15 OFF, all capital letters. Check out the link in the show notes to grab that sweet deal. I've used some of Lander's services. They're really dope. Check them out. Go to the link in the show notes or go to LANDERLANDER.COM. That's LANDERLANDER.COM. Once again, use that discount code, all capital letters, get Lander, L-A-N-D-R, live, 15 off. Go support them for making awesome products and supporting this podcast. And back to today's episode. Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, we're already on the subject of Ableton. So like you started in four. That's kind of when you really got into it, which is mm -hmm. a long time ago. So you've been yeah. in it for a long time, way before me. I got in around eight. As far as like other Ableton devices, like do you have any other go-tos that you really love to use on a regular basis? What do you use them for? Yeah, and I, I've listened to this podcast before, but I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe people have said this, but like OTT is like the, the one. Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, it's like, I mean, of course they make third-party ones because of what it is, but like if I were to like take a, like put all my sessions into a thing and see what my most used plugin is, of course it's going to be OTT. It's on everything. It's like yeah. on so many different things. Yeah. So... I'm trying to think what I use over OTT the most. I mean, other than EQA is like my, my ultimate. I don't know if it is, if they're going to up the quality in EQA, especially if they do the dynamic, but I, I love it because it's just so simple and I use it all the time, but it'd be cool if they like made it a little bit, I know they have oversampling, but like, I still feel like there's a little bit of a quality thing that happens with it, especially if you like duplicate a hundred of them, there's like a weird phasing thing that happens sometimes. So sure. I'm, I'm hoping they update the quality of it so we can just like, I can just use that as my go-to. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I'll reach to like pro pro Q or whatever to like do something and right. which is cool and all, but I really want to just use all Ableton eventually at some point, like yeah. a couple of third party things, but like all just Ableton internal stuff. Yeah. Well, I can't speak super intelligently on this, but just using my ears, I notice a difference between 10 to 11 and I saw that they did some stuff with the sound engine. 
So I think as far as like the fidelity or quality goes, I think 11 does sound cleaner with its EQ8, but it just could be the overall upgrade. And you actually mentioned this a pro tip for people who didn't know that you can just right click on the EQ8 device and choose oversampling. It doesn't yep. really tax your computer, I feel like, that much more. No, um, no. And, and I, I, I'm sorry, I have another pro tip for the phasing too. If you make your default rack not have all the bands in it, so if you remove all the bands, so it's just flat or maybe just a low cut is the only thing that's on, it actually helps with phasing too. I don't know why, just having a band on, okay. I've noticed if I like super duplicate it, it's like phasey. I don't know if there's what's going on with that, but Interesting. it's it's such a subtle thing. All of these things kind of don't yeah. matter, but it's just something to think about. I mean, honestly, the little things sometimes add up to be the most important later on. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm into it. And, and the and the little things used improperly, like like doing like a hundred OTTs or whatever, or uh, like can do some cool things. Like there's a lot of cool tricks you can do by just like going too crazy. Like I think us as producers, I don't know if you're guilty of it, but I am. Like I, I oh I'm not supposed to do this. I read it on a forum or I saw it on a tweet or whatever. It's like you you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And when I'm in the middle of working, it stops my workflow subconsciously. I'm like oh I don't know if I should do that, but like. Try to do the opposite always. Like, okay, right. if you're if you're not supposed to low, if you're not supposed, to, I don't know, like high cut or whatever, like just do that, do the opposite, see what happens, and maybe it'll like actually take your song and your sound in a different direction. Dude, that's a great tip too, because like I feel like some of my favorite moments like producing are when I'm not thinking and I'm just doing weird stuff I wouldn't normally do. Yeah, I can just and that's the happy accidents come out, and that's what we live for. Yes, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, for sure. And I'll say one other thing because you did ask, but like probably my other go-to plugin is Drum Bus. And I and back on the Happy Accident side of things, it's called Drum Bus. So people are like, oh, I'm just going to put it on my drums. Of course, it sounds great on drums. It's big, but you can put it on a lot of different things to give it a nice fat saturation. Mm -hmm. And I'll just I'll just use it on whatever leads, things like that. And even though it has the name drum in it, use that on a anything it, it does really cool compression it does it just does things in a little bit different way and it's only a few knobs so it's kind of fun just to play with it and see yeah. what can come out of it yeah and just using it as a saturator too like if i pull down Dude. the drive and Dude. just like pull everything down except for just just time yep. the crunch yeah yeah it could be a nice little saturation tool oh yeah dude ableton saturation is really good too the saturator yeah. and like yeah Oh, right. So do, good. Do you have a favorite flavor of Ableton Saturator? Because I know there's like analog, there's soft, there's. It's the first, the default, whatever one that is. It's analog. analog. I, yeah. I, I forgot which one's the first one, but yeah. like I barely click through the other ones unless I'm doing like a clipping type thing where I'll do like the harder modes, like if I mm -hmm. need it to be a clipper. But mm -hmm. usually I'll just use uh, the glue compressor with nothing. Like don't even, it just runs through, but then I'll just click the soft clip on it. And that's usually my clipper most of the time. Okay. But yeah. I KJ Sokka really turned me on to like just using the glue compressor as my main limiter. And yeah. you just like change it to a 10 to one ratio. And then yep. just like, you can leave the threshold where it's at and then just turn up the makeup gain with the soft clip on. And then just uh. like red, just softly redline. And I just use that as my main yeah, limiter man. now for pretty much everything. Yeah. it's There's, Someone told me there's a, it's probably not actually this, but there's like a hidden limiter in Ableton. So even if you're going through your master and hitting red, there's some sort of limiting that's happening behind the scenes or whatever. Or you could even just go through no processing, just zero processing on your master. And even if it is red, if it sounds good, it's good, but it's doing some sort of clipping in there somewhere, apparently. I don't know. Really? I don't know. That's a, it's a mystery. They, uh, my friend told me that it's like, an, uh, 
it's like a hidden limiter. There's like a hidden thing in there. I'm like, I don't know if it's hidden, but it might right. just be the way that the uh, like the 32 bit float or whatever is like catching the peaks. I don't know. Whatever is happening is. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm always making DJ edits. Like I have five bajillion DJ edits, but uh, I'm always doing those. And a lot of times when you put two tracks together, it's going to clip. But most of the time, all my DJ edits, I'm rendering out with no limiting and anything like that on it. Because when really? I do limit it, it loses energy. And then when I'm just like rendering it out as is, it like, it sounds good. It's weird. There, there might be some distortion happening, but it like, it still sounds good. If I were to limit, it would sausage it out and lose some of the dynamics and lose some of the beef of whatever it is. But if I just let mm. it run through Ableton, no limiting it still has like some sort of depth to it. I don't know how to explain it. It's, so, it's something I've heard by a being of just like limiting with like a pro L or something or not. And this is only in DJ edit mode when I'm mixing my songs, I do different techniques, but this is just like, sure. right, I'm cranking out a quick DJ edit. I'm going to do it. And I notice when I, when I pro L them, it like, or when I do some sort of limiting, it'll like, it just loses the power of just like letting the two tracks super redline. I don't know why. Okay. I, I yeah. got you. I was thinking yeah. more of like mashup in the sense that you were like adding new instruments and stuff, but you're just taking a DJ edit, you're a, a fully mastered song and chopping it and then. Yeah. And, but but, gotcha. but I'll also, okay. I'll also layer them multiple times and, and we can get into my DJ edit process too. I'd love to talk about that, but like I'm also stacking a bunch of edits and doing different things, but uh, okay. I, 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 that's kind of what I mean is like, even though there's two tracks that are going and maybe there is a little bit of something I'm doing to clean up between the two. They're, they are pushing so hard that the red is hitting, but I don't really limit it to bring it back down. I just like sure. kind of let it bounce out of Ableton yeah. fully red. And it yeah. it doesn't sound as bad as if I were to then squish those two things that are actually overpowering. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever use any kind of source separation tool to like extract, say, if you can't get the stems from the artist? Do you use yep. anything like that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So we can go down that road. I'm like, uh, my favorite one, I think, is just RX8, like the Isotope RX. Mm. I do that all the time. I'll try to make acapellas and instrumentals, too, because some EDM songs might have like a build up vocal, like turn up, turn up, whatever. And if I'm making an edit and I like the breakdown of it and then the build up is happening and I don't want the vocal of it, I'll actually take that song, do the vocal removal and just use the build up from that where there's like a vocal over the top of it and make it so it's like a newer version of it if I can't get the, sure. the stems. And it it's it works. Also, another little secret is Isotope has a thing called Master Rebalance, which is like the biggest tool I'm always using in my edits all the time. So like, I'll even just put that on and pull the vocals down. There's like a vocal thing that'll make your vocals come down or come up. Because right. a lot of times I'm like using hip hop vocals or beats or whatever, and they're mixed in a way that is like, the vocals are kind of squished in there. So. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do a thing maybe where I'll turn the bass down a little bit and like turn up the vocals and then, then I'll have like the little EDM thing that's like part of the drop coming in. Like just yeah. to kind of make it poke out over all of that. It's, yeah, but Isotope stuff is so dope. I like Rebalance because it does give you that control of like adjusting how much you want to take in and out. And it only gives you like four stems basically, right? It's vocals, bass, drums. We've talked about this on the podcast before. There's yeah. a um, a new service that actually recently sponsored the podcast. I'm not saying this just because they paid me, but like yeah. I love their service. It's a lolol.ai. Yep. Yeah. And they're I don't know if you've played with them, but they yeah. make it easy just to pull like the whole thing out, just vocals yeah. or drums. My, my friend and I get in an argument. He says that that's the best out. The algorithm that they have is the best. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm always doing edits on a plane and I'm always like, uh, just, or whatever. I'm doing them in random spots where I don't have sure. the internet. So it's like, yeah. I'm just so used to just going to RX, making it happen. 
There was another one, Akon Digital makes a thing called, what is it called? Oh no. There's another one that does it too, okay. that I was using for a while, but just the Isotope RX-8 is like just the best for me. It's good. Quickest. Yeah, quick and dirty, done. And then Isotope Master Rebalance, if I'm just in the DAW and I need to make it happen real quick. Yeah. No, I've used it too. It's great. Isotope yeah. just in general is dope. Like their yeah. CEO, or some sorry, CTO, Jonathan Bailey was on the podcast and talked a little bit about the tech behind that. He's a smart dude. So dude. Another, another brainwave. <laughs> oh my God. Their, their stuff is always next level. And yeah. they're, also, they're also taking maybe trends that other people are doing in the industry and then improving on them and making them even better. And like... Yeah. Also, their interfaces are good. It's just there's so much about it that just feels comfortable. I love all their stuff. Same. Me too, man. I'll, yeah. I'll give a – since we're talking clipping, I'll give a little tip, a little secret yes, cl- please clipper do. tip. It's a, I believe it's Isotope Ozone 5. It might be 6. It has it too. But just the maximizer, a.k.a. their limiter, if you just pull up that unit and there's a soft clip mode in it, you just hit the soft clip mode – if you actually mix into that, if you just put that on your master and just mix into that, don't adjust anything, and, it, and you hear it audibly clipping because you will hear it clip through that, that's mm. a good, a good, because of this weird Ableton thing that like you can clip and you can kind of not hear it in Ableton without mm-hmm. a limiter. If you do it with that soft clipper, it actually makes it so you can really tell if your track is going to clip once it gets limited in mastering. Mm. So I'll just put that on and I'll mix through that a lot of times. And if I'm hearing distortion, I need to go and like clean some things up in my mix yeah. just by using the five soft clipper. It doesn't in, in the newer versions of Isotope, it doesn't have it. But that just that clipper when that soft mode is just like so it's like the little hack just to make sure your stuff isn't yeah. clipping. I'm so happy to hear you say that because like your music sounds great and you've been doing it way longer than I have, obviously. But uh, I just started doing that exact same thing, mixing into clipping the glue compressor on the master and yeah. that's with the soft clip on. So it's the same concept, just a different yeah. plugin. Yeah. But but what I do then is I remove it after that. Like, so I'll clip into it to hear it, to make sure it's good. Sure. But I don't bounce through that. I just, just like, yeah. I'll remove it. It's almost like a, just a way of like, hearing what's happening hearing the sure. distortion that you don't want in the yeah. final ma- the final mix when you send it off to mastering you're assuming that they're going to be smashing it right yeah so. of course and then it'll give them hopefully headroom because once you remove that off it won't be clipping anymore right. you'll just make sure it's all clean so yeah 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 dope man that's good pro tip hopefully everybody out there is taking notes <laughs> let's go right them yeah down. let's go do you um do a lot of parallel compression like on a return track or like a mix bus do you usually slam things pretty hard? I love parallel everything. Yeah. I, I like, I parallel as much as I can. And so mm. I'll, yeah, I don't know, whatever it is. Like I'll, I'll, a lot of times do the rack, the Ableton rack, and then do two channels in a rack or two, I guess they're channels. Chains. What are they? Yeah, chains. Two chains. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Two chains. Uh, I'll do those. <laughs> I'll do the two chains in the rack. And uh, so I used to do the thing where you would like, make a crossfade and then like you can there's the thing where I, i'm so bad i don't know the name of no no stuff, yeah the, the chain selector yeah uh, like it looks you, like a timeline you can thing. fade it between yeah yeah, yeah. but it, i also noticed there's a weird little phase sometimes when you get in the weird middle zone uh, of that so okay. what i'll just usually do is do two chains and then fade in have the dry chain usually and then i'll fade in underneath what i need parallel compression or distortion mm. or whatever the effect is like bring it in that way it's it's weird i don't use return tracks that much and i need to use them more and i've been trying to tell myself especially when i get this new computer like try to use return tracks a lot more Mm. but i do it all in in each channel or in a group i'll do the two chain thing i don't know why 
honestly, there's no right or wrong when it comes to that. Yeah. Cause there's like, yeah. there's so many different ways to do everything in Ableton. Yeah. I think that's what attracts a lot of people to it. Cause it's so oh, creative yeah. in the workflow. Yes. Yeah, man. For sure. Get that right side of your brain stimulated. Yeah. I have a chain, another chain tip. I'm going to just keep saying all the tips. Do it, please. Bring all of them. The best thing that I've found, I don't know why, I don't know what it is. It's like a psychoacoustic thing. But speaking of making two chains, I will make an audio effect rack. I'll make two chains and I'll, I'll split them left and right. So each of them has a left and a right. You can either do it on the chain itself. Um, so it goes left and right. But that is after... The processing so it'll like it'll run through the processing and then it'll split it left and right so what i'll usually try to do is put some sort of thing before all the processing so probably a utility okay. or i i use melda has a plugin called mxx which is like all of their plugins but if you just use the regular one you can specify left and right either way okay make a make a rack of left and right with a utility or something you can make it left and right in each of those mm -hmm. chains and then in one of the chains Maybe even like solo it, whatever, and EQ that side. Do whatever you need to do effect-wise. Like get it, get your sound to sound good on that left side. Then unmute that or remove that and go back to the right side. Do all of your adjust adjustment on the right side. And then, then now have them both come back into stereo. You're going to like make weird little subconscious moves on each side that are different if you're hearing the, the reference material each way. And something about that gives it, it feels like width, but I call it depth. It, feel, it feels like your mix is always deeper when you separate left and right. Mm. And also with left and right, what I'll do sometimes, I'll even do a, a limiter on left and right, or I'll do transient designers on left and right. Or we were talking about isotope. I'll do like isotope neutron has a thing called sculptor, which is like it analyzes the audio and it kind of EQs it to what it's doing. But the cool thing about that is the sound is coming through on the left and it's affecting whatever it's doing on that left from what it's hearing. And same with it's coming through on the right, it's affecting it. So those things are acting dynamically to the left and right channels, but it's creating this psychoacoustic, almost Haas effect. Hmm. It's, not a, it's not a time delay. It's like a frequency difference. And that frequency dif difference in our ears feels like depth. It feels so much deeper. And it's, it's, a, it's such a cool way to like create some sort of movement so your stuff just doesn't sound the same. Like it isn't being EQ'd left and right stereo every single time. So See, that's really interesting. Yeah, like creating those subtle differences in the left and the right field. I guess yes. like I've always yeah. kind of been, I think, nervous to do that because I don't want to throw stuff way out of phase. But like mm -hmm. if you can do it right, then yeah, like why not? That sounds wild. But yeah. I don't, again, maybe someone can correct me on this. I don't think it will go out of phase because it's an exact left and right like each of those channels is going to be sending it I, maybe it will go out of phase if it, it once it hits the middle the, but each of those is its own side being affected and maybe it does go out of phase i don't know but to me it sounds yeah. so much more in depth i don't know it and probably it's like this, yeah go ahead i was gonna say like it probably also depends if you're doing any kind of chorusing or other things on one side the left or the right because that could potentially spread that width even farther yeah, yeah true but, yeah, i don't know but yeah it makes sense because like especially like in the world we live in, a lot of people listening in their car, like, you know, if you have good headphones, like it's the little subtleties, I feel like that separates like one person's mix from another person's mix. Yeah. Where it's like, there's something different about that. Like, yes, it man. sounds more original. Yeah, man. And, and how I found out about that technique was like old 70s producers used to do that. They used to like mono, yeah. their, mi mono their mix and then they would EQ one whole side of the mix and then they would go and then uh, go to the left and the right and they'd EQ each side differently. And then when they unmonoed it, it just felt so much deeper and more rich. And I, I saw it on some old dudes podcast a while ago. 
I was like, weird. And so I started doing it with Ableton, especially the audio effect rack is like so good for that because you can do left and right within a channel. It's so dope. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with Flux's plugins? Flux? Yeah, yeah. They do bittersweet and stuff like that. They made one. Uh, I actually spoke with one of their product reps the other day. He was showing me a quick demo. I couldn't show you to save my life right now, but he showed me some spat revolution. It's okay. uh, anybody who wants to get into like making Dolby surround sound kind of stuff Sick. and you can like literally position. So it, it actually shows you a picture of like somebody's head and you can do like 360 design oh, on the yeah. insert of a track with a plugin of. So it's like a binaural crazy ear trick type of thing you could do with any sound. Dude, I'm looking at it right now. This looks crazy. It's wild. <laughs> it's pretty wild stuff. Wow. Yeah. Spat revolution is what it's called. And it'd be cool if we could do that like pretty easily in Ableton and stuff. It'd be cool to like, mm-hmm. from what it looks like, it's a 3D stage of where you can place your sounds. And yeah. it'd be so cool. I'm such a visual person that I would be like, man, I want these like, I want this, like, these hi-hats in like the upper left corner right. over here and these, yeah, the snare here. It'd be kind of cool yeah. to do that. Or to make like a kind of like a binaural effect where you feel like something is literally swirling around your Dude. head. I like in a 360 that. degrees, that Dude, kind I, of sensation, which is like oh. ideal for, I think, the world that, you know, we're going to be living in who knows, like 10 to 15 years, 20 years from now, people are going to be listening to music in VR. Right. And so yep. then you're yep. going to that could be a whole different game changer for producers and how they make their mixes using something like this. And I know that Flux is even working with they're not paying me to say this at all, but I know that they're working on like a Max for Live device to make that a lot easier for live users, oh, which would be awesome. I'd be curious yeah. to see when that drops in the next year or two. That's I. It's funny because I didn't even think about the metaverse side of what music will be too in that spatial audio. But like you could, we could release a song, let's say, where like you start and forward, and and like you could actually like lean back and like more of the song could be revealed. Like right. we can make these, we can make these songs that will actually like be dynamic to the user. Like it's like yeah. maybe a lot of times the cool thing about music is like if you have a song that like you're like sad at some point in your life and this song will resonate with you and you'll, you'll almost like have a nostalgic moment every time you hear it moving forward, you have an emotional connection to that song, but would be kind of cool with the VR side of things is you can actually like create the experience you have with that song in a different way. Like you could have your head up, down, turn left or right. And then that can actually affect you emotionally. And like, I don't know, even the way that yeah. you, can, you perceive that song. It's kind Definitely. of Definitely. No, it's yeah. going to be interesting, man. The whole metaverse thing, when that comes about and what that's going to yeah. look like. I think people are still trying to figure that out. But yeah. actually, that's a good segue into you creating your NFT. So you yeah. created an NFT that was like, what, a year ago or so? April of 21. Yep. 2021. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that was a really cool concept. And I started seeing a lot of other artists dropping like their own NFTs Um and I own a couple NFTs myself. I think oh. cryptocurrency is really fascinating. We really haven't talked about it on this podcast much at all. Cool. And uh, anybody who doesn't know anything about NFTs, quick preface, uh, there's the Creative Juice podcast. They did Ooh. one on NFTs that I sent out in the newsletter. Um, and go listen to that. If you're like, I have no idea what an NFT is, go listen to that. Come back to this conversation because... I mean, basically, it's, it, I think, a great way for artists to connect with fans and get direct involvement with their fans and have their fans support you and also take ownership of the music for themselves yes. so that everybody can benefit. And it's just a good one to one connection. But anyway, all that to say, like, what made you get into it? And maybe you can talk a little bit about this project. I think it's cool. Yeah. So it started out with doing a little bit of like stock trading and crypto was kind of like the initial thing. I was like, getting into that, just doing buying and selling, I don't know, coins and things like that. But 
in a lot of these group chats I'm in, they were talking about NFTs and it was like during the pandemic, it was early pandemic and we're like, oh, what is this? And like, we just kind of were like, shows were done, at least this is my path on it. Shows were done for a while. I didn't have a way of like creating experiences for fans. Like that's what I love doing in my shows, like creating these moments, creating these experiences. And I noticed with this NFT stuff, you could actually create an experience. Like we can make it so this is a way I could like actually do what I do at a show via the internet. I, I just noticed that like I could do the fun ways I release music and the ways that I do my shows in this like new space. The NFT space was like so new, so much fertile soil and everyone was just so open and the community mm -hmm. was open. And I said earlier in the podcast, but I, I actually have a tech degree. I have like a coding degree and a yeah. design design degree. And I wasn't doing music at the time. And I, to be honest, like during the pandemic, it was hard to be inspired to make music. You couldn't go out to clubs and feel what the vibe is. And it, I just got inspired. Like, that's all it was. It was like the main thing. I was like, wow, I can do this coding and I can figure this stuff out. Like with music too, I'm like, okay, what is going on right now? Okay, everyone's making tech house. I don't want to make tech house. I want to make something a little different. So same thing with this NFT thing. I'm like, okay, I did it early NFTs. Like this was before all the big PFP projects like Bored Ape and things like that. But I was like, okay, everyone's doing art, but there's like no way for physical artists. I realized like a lot of my friends who made physical art, they weren't really putting stuff on NFTs. So I was like, how can I make something that's physical to digital? How can someone mint an NFT with a physical device? And yeah. so I have these vapes. I'm showing it on camera right now for those who aren't watching it. But I have this vape uh, that has like, I put Web3 technology on this little USB thing that charges it. So this charges the vape. That's but awesome. It's so cool. It's like, it charges the vape, but it also has Web3 tech on it. So when you plug it into your computer, it pulls up your MetaMask and makes sure you are an owner of the original NFT. And if you are an owner of the original NFT, it actually gives you, it mints another NFT to your wallet. So it's a physical to digital minting device. And what I did as well is there's three, there's only three of these that were made. And so once all three of them get plugged in, it actually alters their NFTs. If people are familiar with NFTs, there's like the Bored Ape project. They did a thing yeah. where they gave everyone a serum to like alter their ape. They could actually mutate their ape. So that's kind of what this was. This And I did all of this before they even dropped Bored Ape in general. It was that's like this amazing. whole project to do that. And so wrapping all this up or whatever, it, I just love doing really cool experiential things in tech. Like I've always done that. Yeah. And this was like a, a space where I could do that in. And it isn't, to me, it isn't even really about the NFT itself. It's all about, there's a new technology. How can I find different ways to like use this new technology to do cool experiential things? And that's what this is. Yeah. Well, absolutely, man. And like on top of that, I think it's a good one-to-one -one connection with your fans. Like people have Patreons, right? Yes. But, but when you subscribe, say to your Patreon or another artist Patreon, I don't necessarily have a sense of ownership of say music or of a product that is being offered by that artist. Yes. So I think the NFT gives you that in a sense. Yeah. And I, my favorite NFTs, or I think the ones that are the most valuable have some kind of like utility to them. Mm -hmm. So like you have the vape pen, like that's, yep. that's a utility, right? You could smoke it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's a good way to connect with your fans. They're thinking of you every time they're taking a puff yeah, and yeah. it's a great connection there. Yeah. And to support that, that's, you're right. It is like that. It is, it's like a Patreon, but it, it also feels like the old music industry when I grew up, like I used to save up my money and buy a CD of an artist I really liked. And then mm -hmm. when I got that, when I got that CD, I got a physical thing and I was like, whoa, this is dope. There's really cool album artwork. I get to see the photos. I get to kind of experience a little bit more. But the main thing I did is we took my hard earned money that I like, I 
built up to support someone that I liked. And then they gave me something in return that was a tangible good that made me feel direct to fan, fan to artist. And that was removed with streaming, I think. Like a lot of, I, I saw a lot of my peers and especially younger artists come up and it's like, wow, you got a million plays on a Spotify playlist. That's so dope. Congratulations. And I'm so proud of you. But I'm like, they go to try to sell a show and no one's there because they got put on a hot playlist and they were cool and they're buzzy for a little bit. But there's the loss of the fan artist connection with streaming, which is cool. It has its benefits, but it also has its losses. It's hard to build a fan base through streaming. And so I think with this NFT stuff, there's a way to actually like, start to build that fan base back, incentivize the fans who participate in supporting you as an artist. That's really well said. That's a good way to put it, for sure. Just out of curiosity and being a crypto nerd myself, the NFT that you sold, what blockchain was that on? So that was on Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum, I did, okay. Yeah, I did yeah. that one on Ethereum. And then I also did another thing where I wanted to just get people involved into NFTs. So I sold 420 editions of this one NFT for $4.20. It's awesome. And the cool thing with that one too is like, I, I just didn't want to give them an NFT and it's done. But if you visualize the audio of that, like an RX, let's say, if you take the audio of that and visualize it, there's actually a seed phrase to another crypto wallet. So if you like actually look at the audio waveforms, it shows all the waves of what the NFT is. And at the very end, I, in the audio <laughs> hidden, is no written way. out a seed phrase. Yeah, it's written out a seed phrase. And then you can go to that wallet and I made it so it's almost like a scavenger hunt. And we were doing it live on Clubhouse. We're like, People are like, oh, I think I got it. And like one person found it and he came on and was like, oh, I found the NFT and he was able to take it out the wallet. But he's like, I actually left another NFT for someone. So the next person that came along That's got so one. Cool. And then someone put Ethereum in there and it became this like kind of like give a penny, take a penny exchange. That's more, awesome. And it made the NFT experience a little bit bigger than just like, oh, cool, I got this collectible item. It actually, there's like a memory, like the tangible moment that people experienced all together with this. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Bringing that community together. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the NFT space, like there's also some interesting ways other artists are using that. Like I saw the chain smokers, which I know you know them. Yeah. They ended up like minting, I think it was like 5,000 tokens. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up issuing those tokens to like their top fans that purchased like their merch or something. I don't know exact. They're offering all those 5,000 token holders point zero 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 two percent of all streaming royalties that they're getting yeah yeah. which is wild that's an interesting concept of being like okay if you're gonna like i'm gonna invest in my five thousand best fans and then i'm also gonna let them share in the pool of the royalties that i'm earning off of my music yeah i thought that was a really interesting concept that i haven't really seen before yeah yeah no it's it's dope i and that's the thing that we're all doing right now we're kind of trying to figure out how we can how we can do this as musicians in this space. Like how can we incentivize our fans? Like for the people that are listening that are still maybe a little hesitant on NFTs, it's like, I'm sure they're part of like a frequent flyer program or like they're, they have a royalty, a, a loyalty program at their local coffee shop or whatever it is. You've, you've, we've probably all been part of a loyalty program. Yeah. And I think that that's something that this NFT space is like, there's so much negative news around it and people hate on it. But like, if you strip away all of that and just look at it, there's like a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of cool incentivization that can happen as if you participate in this. And don't think of it as an NFT. It's almost just like a loyalty program. It's just yeah. like another way of doing a loyalty program. Right. Well, and not just even that, but like I could sell part of the loyalty program that I own to somebody yes. else. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yep. like yep. I yeah. invest in some artists and he's dope, but like he's on the up and up. And then like five years later, I own his NFT 
and yeah. I sell it off to somebody else and that gives them like backstage passes and other special opportunities yeah. that somebody drips to their NFT holders that has yeah. actual tangible value I could sell if I like broke and I go bankrupt because I bought too many MIDI controllers or something, you know? Yeah, so. no, no, that's <laughs> true. And the, the cool thing is too, is like people are fans of someone like at a certain point of their life, but maybe they're not anymore. So that's another thing that I'm excited to see is like, I might be a Diplo fan until I'm 22 and I'm like, you know what? I don't like Diplo anymore. I'm going more into like down tempo stuff or whatever. I might have collected X amount of Diplo coins or whatever. And then I could then sell those to a new super fan of Diplo or exchange those for the new artists that I like. And then now that I can in get incentivized to maybe get merch from them or whatever. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm really, really stoked to see what is, is to come with this. And I was going to also say too, like when I, I did this vape a year and a half ago, but I also started a company called Liberated. It's, it's spelled LBR8TD. And we're building a ton of new technology, a really? huge thing for musicians. Like it's, we're actually like been working really hard on a, on a thing for musicians to actually be incentivized in web two, like they normally do just like Spotify and, and Apple music and the ways that they get their web two incentivization. But we also found a way to actually pair a web three incentivization as well. So if you do want to participate in web three NFT, whatever you want to call this right now, we actually found a way that you can get incentivized in both at the exact same time. If you choose to stay in Web3, then we can, or if you choose to use the Web3 path, we can actually like connect to that and you can actually incentivize for your fans and yourself. So it's kind of both. It's that's, and both. That's amazing. Is there a site up for that? No, no, we're about to drop it soon though. So okay. stay tuned. Lib Liberated is up though. You can go to LBR8TD and we're doing a bunch of other NFT drops. We have a music drop going tomorrow that we're doing and like we have a bunch of cool stuff. So yeah. Sick, man. I'm fascinated by that. I really think that's the future. My, um, my days, like, this is so crazy, but my, my work schedule is on, on the weekends I go do shows, but when I come home, I'm full web three building this company and doing all these other projects. Like, so I'm like five plus days a week, web three tech. And then like the weekends is just the EDM turn up stuff. It's kind of very wild. cool. Yeah. yeah. I've gone like deep into like liquidity pools. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just learning about some of the interesting ones. Yeah. Um, theta is one that's really interesting as far as like bandwidth sharing and they're building video for the metaverse basically yeah so man. they're fascinating i don't know if you've ever heard of them no i have heard of them yeah, yeah. No, it's so dope i'm, man. I'm a theta nerd but <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is great dude i appreciate it and i want to respect your time so i don't want to hold you too much longer but um a couple quick questions uh yeah man like as far as collaborating with other artists uh, do you have any like fun stories in the studio or even on stage some collabs that you've done uh, let me try to see. So in the studio, my, what am I f actually, so I have a song called Mosh Pit that came out and it yeah, was like, of course yeah. the, it, it's like a kind of a classic turn up anthem or whatever. But when we worked with little John, so we made that song and then little John hit us up because of that song. And he was like, he oh, was no way. upset that like, we didn't hit him up for that. He was like, man, I could have, I could have crushed that record. Why didn't I do that one? Why didn't I? like, he was like all like kind of angry and we're like, well, dude, we have this new beat. Check out this. And we played him the prison riot beat. And he was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like what? And he was like getting turned up, turned up. And then he was just like, awesome. he had this like epiphany in the studio, at least a little, a little John epiphany. And he's like, man, you guys know what's crazier than a mosh pit. I'm like, what's that little John? What, what is crazier than a mosh pit? And he's like, motherfucking prison riot and i was like okay dude all right and so he went into the booth and that's what prison riot was he like that's recorded amazing. the vocals to prison riot and i think he is right a prison riot is actually crazier than a mosh pit, i would so. believe that yeah. yeah i honestly would be kind of scared to be a part of one but you know <laughs> i think 
I like to imagine that little John is always yelling at you, like just in a regular conversation. He he isn't yelling, but he's definitely lit. He's like, yeah. I don't even. He's probably in his fifties something, but he oh, he yeah. has like the the soul of a teenager, like in his love that. It's so cool, man. And he he still drink drinks, like he's turning up drinking half a bottle of nineteen forty two every night. I'm like, still I don't going hard. I do not understand how he could be his age and doing it, but he that's loves funny. It. Yeah, get more power to him, man. I'm 34 and I'm like getting tired, you know, around 9.30 p.m. now. Yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you've worked with a lot of OGs in the hip-hop world. Um, oh, yeah. Like Waka Flocka is another one. Yeah, man. That's I toured a- with him for a while, too. We like, we did like a whole summer together, pretty much. Like summer camp with Waka Flocka. And- that's dope. Went to some shady strip clubs with him late night. It was just, I've, I've got a lot of, I don't know if I can, if it's Ableton sensitive Dude, this podcast is, stuff. This but. is a non-censored podcast. Anything right, goes. Cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There's been some, there's been some wild nights with Waka. He's, he's the homie. And he's another person with like such a youthful energy. He's like a big kid. He's yeah. like, he's seven foot 12. I don't know how tall he is. He's the biggest dude ever. Really? And he acts, okay. he acts like... Like, have you ever seen like when like a big dog thinks they're a little dog and they like yeah. they're all hyper and they cl- that's what Waka Flocka is in real life. He's like, he just like he seems like he's like this little kid with like little energy, but he's like the biggest dude ever. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great, man. I love that energy. It definitely shows. You kind of have oh, yeah. to if you're gonna be in that genre and you're like your own hype man. You know? Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. He gets in the mosh pit. He gets in the crowd and. Yeah, man, it's wild. That's really funny. Yeah, like I've seen uh, like some iPhone videos and stuff of like Shaq trying to surf, like crowd surf. No way. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Dude, he, he went on top of a crowd? <laughs> yeah, he like crowd surfed once. I think it happened like once. Uh but he's <sighs> dude he's funny he's i mean he's a big dude if you've oh, ever yeah. seen him in oh, real yeah, life yeah. oh yeah I've, yeah i've met him a few times he oh. was on a plane the first time i saw him uh, and i was in first class i walked by him and he like took up all three seats just chilling yep. <laughs> yeah it's the nicest guy ever though like he's yeah, super he cool i actually heard a really funny story it's completely off topic uh but like about him is adam sandler was telling a story about how he saw his penis once. Yes, I, I <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> it's so good. This is like completely off topic, but anyway, like he was, they were shooting a movie or something and he walked into the, the locker room and Shaq was showering in between takes and he walks up and the bodyguard was there, Shaq's guard, and he's like, I can't let you in here, man. And he's like, uh, he's like, I just wanted to see Shaq's penis. <laughs> he's like, I can't let you do that. So he left and he's like, oh man, this is really awkward now. That, now Shaq's bodyguard is going to tell him that I walked in to do that. And so now I have to confront him because otherwise it's going to be weird when he walks out here and he's like staring me down. So he like comes out and Shaq walks up to him. He did, And he like walks up and he's like, hey man, how's it going? I, uh, I walked up to your bodyguard. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm a bodyguard. That was, that was my penis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, not all age is appropriate, but it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I guess you, you said, I wish you would have opened with that because I would have known the bar of what the Ableton podcast can, can be. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. Eight, 18 and up advice. All right. All right. No, it's cool. Yeah, man. Well, that's good. Some good stories. Uh, I guess like, just to respect your time, we should probably close this out soon. But what advice would you give, I guess, to other producers out there in the electronic music scene or whatever, just trying to hustle and make music? Yeah, I. if you're starting to learn, if you're, if you're beginning, I would say maybe like copy some artists that you like, like just to understand the way it is. But once you kind of get a grasp on how to make music or whatever you're trying to do, 
just try to, I guess, define what your sound is. So if you like dubstep and you like jazz, try to make a version of what dubstep jazz sounds like. Who knows? Yeah. Don't just try to copy what the current trend is because by the time you make what's the hot thing, it's not going to be hot anymore. So mm. if you're trying to make the, the current hot thing, why don't you try to invent the next hot thing? Mm. And yeah, and, and that also being said too, if you're trying to go for success, like if you're like, oh, I want to be the biggest DJ ever, like, that's good and all that's great for motivation too, but just try to do what's genuine to you because then that will come. Like if you, if you lead with, I want to be the biggest dude ever, that's good for motivation, lighting that fire, but like just really try to lead with, I want to make something unique and, and show it off to the people. And I think then the thing that you want of being the next biggest thing will come to you. Yeah. My, my two, two cents on it. No, oh, that's awesome advice, man. Seriously. I appreciate that. And I know everybody else out there is probably loving this episode. There's a lot of good stuff to share with people and you've been doing it for super long. So yeah, appreciate what you do. Music's dope. Hoping there's more coming out. Also yeah. one of my best friends, Connor, huge fan. And he was asking if there's another Troy boy club in the works ever. This it's so crazy. We were talking about it the other day. I played my first show with him in years. We we did a thing at EDC. They had a lineup. It was Troy Boy, GTA, Yellow Claw, and me. Yeah. It was like all the old I OG remember trap that, people. Actually, and the vibe was so dope. It was like such a cool thing. A lot of my friends that actually went to EDC said that they had more fun at that. Whatever. It was like a really good vibe. But I I caught up with Troy. We were talking about it. We're like, yeah, we got to do like a Sound Clash 2.0 or something because that's like one of my favorite songs. And Same. It, it, like yeah, it's like. It just, the, the collab worked really well. It happened, like all the songs that I've ever put out that took no time to make, like it just was a vibe and it was done. Those are like my biggest songs, seriously. Like the ones where I'm sitting here EQing for fucking 17 years, those are never as big. Mm. And that Troy Boy collab was one of them. The, the two was that Original Dawn was made in like 20 minutes, just added some trap drums to the original Original Dawn as like a quick little edit thing and it blew up. And then the the Troy Boy one too is the same thing. It was like made an idea. He came back with a little bit. We bounced it back and forth, and it was done. And like it took longer to mix it on my end, mix and master it, than it took to actually create create it. So okay. I hope we can vibe out again. Like we were talking about, it. he lives in Miami. So next time I'm out there, we'll get up and we'll see what happens. Do it, man. I know I'm yeah. not the only one or Connor that wants to see that happen. So oh, yeah, we all yes, want please. It, we yeah. all want it. He's sick. Give the people what they want. Yes, sir. Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate your time. Thanks again yeah. for hanging out on the podcast. Everybody, if for some rare occasion you have not heard Flostradamus's <laughs> music, then you need to go do him and yourself a service now. Go stream it. Go check out his music. Check out the links in the show notes. As always, I'll include all of his socials down there. Last but not least, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Uh, the best, my most interactive spot is Instagram. But uh, if you want to see anything else, just try to Google Flostradamus. It'll fix it and yeah, click the first link. That's usually where I'm at. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Right on, man. Have a good night. Uh, I'll see you eventually. I'll post this and send it to your people. So like two weeks or so. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let me know. I'm excited to hear it and I'll promote it and all that junk. Dude, I appreciate you. Have a good yeah, week. Appreciate you. Yeah, you too. Later. Bye. Yee.
Hey, once again, huge thanks to Flashradamus for hanging out on this episode. Make sure you guys go give him a like, a follow, check out his latest tunes. Also wanted to remind you about that special deal with Lander if you're interested in getting help from the beginning to the end of the process, whether it's mastering, whether it's some new effects and plugins, whether it's collaboration in the studio. They have all kinds of different products and services. Go check that out. There's a link in the show notes. Use that discount code LANDR.com. Go give Lander some love. Last but not least, don't forget about that music producer giveaway I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. You can win up to $6,000 in prizes from some great companies like Output, Sonarworks, Belize, and Loop Community. Win some plugins and MIDI controllers, which is always a beautiful time. So check that out. Go to liveproducersonline.com win. That's liveproducersonline.com win. Check back for new episodes on Tuesdays. Much love to all of you for listening to the podcast. Go make some bangers and I will see you in the next episode.